When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Ron Halper, the Metal God Community's Priest, and you're listening to Cobras and Fire. Metal is not dead. You're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast, and you don't need to say a lot to introduce today's guest, the Metal God, baby. Fucking Rob Halford. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. My name is Baco, and I am joined, as always, by the Hellion, LC. Live from Colorado. How are you, LC? I'm excited. This is a big day for Cobras and Fire. Yeah, you think? This is pretty cool, huh? I, I absolutely think this is very cool. The Metal God! I've been, like, hesitant to, to, to talk to anybody about it for fear of, like, jinxing it. But yeah, um, man, fucking... Fucking Rob Halford, the Metal God. We, I never really thought. You know, I guess if anything, this tells me that the timeline for I think Sebastian Bach will now be on our show in about eighteen months. <laughs> that makes sense to me. I yeah. mean, listen, we're they we keep getting you know more and more. I mean, everybody we talk to we like, but I mean these these just legends. You know, well um, that's just it. You know, I mean, it's like I I enjoy all the conversations I have, but. Right you know, when it's somebody like Rob Halford, it's like, man, not only are, are you a giant uh, uh, in your field, but what what an inspiration and a person that 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 means a lot to me personally. You know, not just in his music, but you know, in the way he's kind of handled himself. As much as we've made fun of him over the years, we make we made fun of damn near everybody. Uh, yeah. Did Rob Halford make the apology list? If not, we might need to brush up and do a second <laughs> one. We might. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm I think pretty we apologized sure. to his coat. <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh yeah, maybe so. Maybe that uh, his thesaurus. Or uh, what about? Um, I think it's because you heard our Defenders of the Faith episode. What do you think? <laughs> thistle, Thistle Dick. Do you think? Uh, sure. That's coming up in a few. That's going to be on the next Priest album. It's going to be a song called Thistle Dick. Oh uh, yeah, totally inspired not? by us. Yeah, we, we've. I think we talked on it probably mostly on that show. But you're a big Priest fan, right? Um, well, I mentioned it a couple of times, so here's the story again. Uh, but no, and I am now, like since the show started, basically, you know, I never really owned a priest episode, uh, the, I never owned a priest album until the show started. And then, yeah, I got, uh, I'm still like, you know, British Steel, um, Screaming for Vengeance, more of that zone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Defenders of the Faith. Like I'm not the... First, like rock and roll, I can't, I can't get into some of those. Uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, but my fandom was just, just hit next level, and that was when you know they did their their last tour. Yeah, so I got to see you know Priest live finally, you know, and uh, I was quite impressed. You know, he was wearing the jacket occasionally and things like that, but but he he brought it, man. I if if there was any kind of trickery going on with the vocals, I couldn't tell. Could you? I, I well, I do think there's there is something as far as like uh, the the the. the, the enhancing the no 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 not like that the he uses a delay to kind of like bring out like powerful like notes that he ends a sentence on I don't the, care that. yeah me too uh, i don't care but i'm just saying that kind of stuff probably helped it a little bit uh, if that counts as enhancing i suppose but yeah for for the best i could tell it was all uh it was all rh baby the metal god uh, uh piping through the pa uh, Absolutely. I mean, he had a little little difficulty getting on and off the motorcycle and things like that. But uh, <laughs> you know, was well, because the weighs four hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he, you know, it, it's good to see he wasn't he wasn't phoning it in. I mean, he's sweating his balls off and getting up there and just bringing the show. And uh, you got to respect that. I, I guess from my own personal experience, just to, to kind of recap a little bit, like you did. Judas Priest was on that kind of first wave of bands that I got into as I started getting into my own music, you know, other than Kiss. It went, you know, as I've <laughs> talked about a lot, it was Kiss, Hall & Oates, then Not A Lot, 
and then it was like all of a sudden Twisted Sister, Quiet Riot, Motley Crue, Rat, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, all that kind of sure. stuff. But but uh, between Maiden and and Priest, those two get combined a lot because they came up kind of around the same time, or at least started breaking around the same time. I've always just liked Priest a little more, a little more uh, I don't know, in your face, a little little brighter. That's usually the gateway drug is Kiss. You hear the song Maneater and then Priest. Right. <laughs> uh, and I will tell you this. I mean, a, a quick synopsis of the book for anybody thinking of, of buying it. Uh, um, I think it, it'll be out by the time anybody's listening to this. Is he gets into the uh, the homosexual stuff in, in graphic detail at certain points. Uh, it You know... Hopefully, and I think most of his fans won't be too put off by that. It's no different than reading a book by Gene Simmons or Paul Stanley or any of the you know other guys. It's just that like you you get a lot of the details, and I'm not just talking about the the stuff that is probably difficult to deal with when you're a gay man, especially in in that band during that time. It's, it, he gets into all the kind of stuff he, and it, he but he doesn't know anything. It's like this is my only outlet. You know what I mean? So I, I do encourage people to check it out. But it is almost fifty percent dealing with all that shit and fifty percent, you know, his music. That's cool. And uh, what's the name of it again? It's Confession? called uh, Yeah, Confess. Yeah, Confess. Okay. Cool. You want to know what the working title was? Uh, please. I am the instrument. <laughs> True story. Uh, it's actually in the book. Yeah, he has. No, it is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has these little oh. footnotes in there, like at each page, he'll like a little star. You know what I mean? And down at the bottom, he explains it right away. He's like, "Yeah, I was actually thinking about calling the book this for a little while, but not for very long." I no no further explanation. I'm guessing because you know, I'm just I immediately think skin flute when he said that. <laughs> so <do> why? <laughs> You know what the other working title was? Yeah, I I knew if I brought up a working title, it'd be just striking, <laughs> like firing you up. Yeah, well, give me it. Well, like, what other working titles did he have? It was a uh, truck stop glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you read the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like like I said, and it, not there's anything wrong with that. If you, if you like truck stops, you know, good for you. Yeah. I mean, think of. Uh, uh, that was ha- half of the uh, Defenders album was 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 written while using a glory hole. I understand. <laughs> you know, check what? the lyrics. He, he um he broke down a couple lyrics very early in Priest's career. I think in the second record. Yeah, and that, the, from a song that I don't know that well from "Sad Wings of Destiny." But but when you read these lyrics, I'm like, holy fuck! How did people not know? Um, right. It it was kind of neat because <laughs> kind of neat. Uh, it it. <laughs> It was interesting. It was, neat. it was interesting because he talked about how like he almost expected a reaction, and then he wasn't sure if he should be happy or upset when he didn't get it. You know, and that kind of carried on. You know, I mean, because a lot of us, you know, once we found out he was gay, started looking at his lyrics a little more deep in hindsight. You know what I mean? But sure, yeah, we I, we really didn't grasp it at first. It's all right. It's I think all he good. got more subtle as he went on, though. Here's the thing about Priest, which I think is, is great, is that I, I didn't see any fallout once he said, you know what, just to let you know I'm gay. Everybody's like, whatever, dude. You know what I mean? Like, still rock on, you know? And yeah. uh, the, Don't I, you think that had to be almost kind of be a bummer for him? Like, all these years where he's hiding it and being told he has to hide it and all these things. And then when he finally comes out, it's just like, wait a minute, it, nobody gave a shit? You know, not and not well, like they don't give a shit about him or that it's like, okay, you're gay, cool. No, I know what you're saying. Like, like if you if you're being told all the time, like this will crush the band, or I can see that it's a heavy metal man. But in a way, you know, I, I don't think that that uh, maybe for, for me too. Was, I kind of look at it like these guys are really into leather. You know, somebody there is kind of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's kind of that that those overtones where you're like, ah, all right, I get it, it's cool. So you're saying that you we should have known Motley Crue were all gay on Shot at the Devil. I don't know. There's something about the biker outfits with the hat, the cap and stuff that's a little yeah. that takes it next level. Maybe it's because the whole police academy. I was too. just gonna say you would think <laughs> you think police academy would have opened our eyes. <laughs> what was that, what was that called? What was the that? Blue Oyster. Yeah, the Blue Oyster. <laughs> exactly. Hey, find another working title reference that people will will remember. <laughs> well done, Loose Cannon. Well done. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you. Finally, I get one. I got. I finally got a good good reference there. I'm uh, proud. 
Uh, now go back to t- uh, coming up with uh, the, the lines from the jerk that nobody remembers. <laughs> <laughs> the good ones, you mean? Yeah, they're probably. Yeah, there's uh, a lot. Anyway, there's a lot of. Well, listen, enough uh, enough banter. I think people want to want to get get down to what they uh, they hit play to hear. I'm the with Alfred. you. Yeah. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Cobras and Fire is proud to present Rob Halford. Hello, Jason. How are you? I'm excellent, man. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Where Where are you at? What part of the, of the country are you in? I'm in St. Paul, Minnesota right now. Ah, I know <laughs> that part of the world really, really well. You've been here a few times. Um, you, you, must, uh, you must be getting those um, awesome tingles starting to happen. You know, it's actually about 82 degrees today, but yeah, it's coming. It's about to plummet because I'm a bit of a Weather Channel geek, and I know it's going to plummet in the next two or three days. Mm. But, you, um, you watch a lot of yeah. Weather Channel? I, yeah, I'm a, I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a weather person. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember the last time I was uh, I was in um, in uh, in Epsom Pool, and uh, I started to go from my hotel. Uh, to a restaurant around the corner, and I <laughs> give them those youths. And I came out to the hotel. The wind was the coldest wind on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I did a U-turn and went back into my hotel and ordered room service. I don't know how you guys cope when that frigid Arctic blast comes roaring down from the North Pole. It it sucks, Rob. It <laughs> it's not any fun. But, but I tell you. I tell you, I swapped that for the Phoenix seat. We've had one of the hottest weather uh, patterns in in the in the history of of, uh, of, of Arizona. We had like fifty two consecutive days of over one hundred and ten mm. degrees a day. So we've been beaten up big time, you know. Um, but you know, hey, it's all it's all good, as they say. It's all good. And heavy metal has always heavy metal has always been roasting hot anyway, so it's not not that much of a stretch. Sure, I I, uh, I actually summered in Arizona for most of the '80s because of a, my parents' divorce. So I'm familiar with the hot summers down there. But I think this year was a little bit uh, of a record breaker, and that's what you're saying. Yeah, don't don't get me started on climate change and the deniers because it's definitely happening. But anyway, let's go back to our great chat today, which is all about this tome and test. Well, let me introduce my guest then. I am absolutely thrilled to be talking to today's guest. He has a new book coming out called, uh, it's titled Confess. It comes out September 29th, so actually if you're listening to it, it's already out. And I am so pleased to be speaking to the metal god, Rob Halford. Rob, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for those kind words. Hi, everybody. I'm looking forward to this chat and confessing. Well, I'm one of about a half a million people that follow you on Instagram. So before we get into the book, just real quick, uh, you have a lot of cat T-shirts. Hey, again, I have all cat T-shirts. Yes, yes. All the cats. Yeah, the cat T-shirts. <laughs> I'm kind of painting myself into the proverbial corner. Um, the gate bell ring. Well, the gate bell rings and, and Thomas Marva Harkins. Oh, God, it's another cat T-shirt. How many more cat T-shirts do you need? I think I have about 100 cat T-shirts now. <laughs> I used to have a beautiful kitty cat called Ben. Uh, who lived a, a, a long, a long life, and then suddenly passed. What they all do, it's like losing a, a family member. Um, but um, and then it was kind of difficult, you know, because I'm on the road all the time. There's nobody here at the house, and um, as much as it's great fun sometimes for the cats to go into kitty jail, <laughs> kitty <laughs> vacation, my cat never liked that very much. Um, so um, I'm kind of uh, making up for that. Um, with my cat t-shirts every Saturday on my Instagram, Rob Halford Legacy, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how long that's going to go on for, Jason. I think they'll run out of cat shirts by the time we get to a certain point. <laughs> well, yeah, it, um, it, it's a lot of fun to see. Is, do you have a theory? You, you're, a, you're a wise man. A lot of metal guys really like cats. Do you, do you have a theory to that at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And I only really started to figure that out until I saw things about, like, books that are uh, photographs of metal musicians, particularly with their cats, 
and you get all these really ferociously strong guys, you know, and they've got the power. <laughs> Obviously, the power of pet, isn't it? Pet power. Pet power. That's for everybody, from all walks of life, like heavy metal music is. Um, but but it's great, you know. Um, there's, a, there's a fun thread on... Um, on thread on Reddit about uh, dads that hate cats, and then somebody brings them brings the cat into the house, and then the cat did, and the, the cat sits on dad's lap, and then the, the dad suddenly melts. You know, they're beautiful creatures. I think the reason why we like them in, in our metal community is because they're fiercely independent. You can't really, mm. you know, you think you know your cat, but your cat knows you better than you do. <laughs> and uh, they're so full of character, you know, knocking things off the shelf and looking at you so to say, you know, look what I can do. Um, <laughs> but, but I love them for that, for that, for that reason and a lot, a lot of other reasons alone. They're beautiful creatures. Yeah, I, I, I hammered through about two-thirds of the book last night, uh, one of my marathon reading sessions of all time, to be honest with you. I, there was something that I swear I read, but I couldn't find it in the book. Uh, but I understand you developed a bit of an online shopping addiction with uh, the pandemic. Is that? Did I read that somewhere? Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right, Jason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm alone in that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bezos has added a few billions to his bank account. But, uh. um, and, and it's, it's a, I could talk forever about the way that you've transitioned from having to go to a store and looking and feeling and trying on to just, oh, I'll take that one click and it's in your home like a day or two later. Um, yeah, here's the deal. This pandemic is driving us nuts, right? Yeah. So we're all trying to find ways to pass an hour here, there, and the other. And uh, there's always a time in the day, usually when I'm in bed and I can't sleep because of my insomnia, that I uh, do not go on to online shopping at two or three in the morning because <laughs> <laughs> you end up... You end up ordering stuff. What the hell is that? What does that do? You know, oh, it's a bird feeder. Oh, okay, right. Okay. So it, it's it's crazy, but I do like the online shopping. Yeah, it's, well, um, it's kind of addictive. What kind of stuff do, would I find in the Metal God's shopping cart? Oh, okay. Well, besides the cat t-shirts, um, <laughs> let me think. Oh, right, no. Some, some some things are sensible. I just ordered the new Ken Follett book. who's doing the prequel to Colors of the Earth. So that was a sensible, that was a sensible purchase. Mm, nice. Um, rings. I, would, I get a lot of rings online. A lot of rings that that that, that uh, you know, cause, you know guy, guy jewelry, macho guy jewelry. Um, I get a lot of that online. Um, I've summoned you, and it's ridiculous. Um, so stuff like that. It's all over the place. Right on. Um, well, uh, well, thanks for indulging me on that, and the, I'm sure the listeners will get a big kick out of that. Th- getting to the book, though, uh, throughout the book, you detail the largely internal struggle that you went through as a gay man from your childhood to your time in Judas Priest, basically up until you came out. Was it hard to relive some of that, like going back and re- writing this, or was it almost cathartic? Yeah, I've been I've been reflecting on this in the past few days because I've been talking and talking and talking about the book, and there are some elements that, that are really difficult. You know, it's like bringing back trauma. I have to do it because the best thing to do when, when you're dealing with, with these kind of things in your life, you've got to talk it out. You can't buck it up. You've got to talk it out. You've got to speak about it again and again and again until you find some kind of balance and peace, which I have found, uh, but then I'm not going to go and dig it back up again, you know? Um, so... There were elements of the book that were difficult, uh, particularly when I did the audio, because it's one thing to read a book and, <laughs> and it's another to actually speak the words out because they're coming from your body, you know, your, your voice. And uh, my voice is everything to me. So to hear my voice and, and speak out these words, and especially to listen to the playback, it did get it did get rather tough when we when we went to those um, parts in my life that were challenging. Sure. Um, man, that, that's a really great point. Uh, anytime I read a book, I'm a big fan of, of rock biographies, but when I'm as familiar with the artist as you, like I, I know what your voice sounds like, I literally read it in the, that person's voice, you know? Um, so I, I was listening to you speak all day yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think that's the value of, of, of an author, books about the memoir, the autobiography. If you can get that person's voice attached to the, mm-hmm. the words, uh, it, it just becomes more intimate and more personal. 
especially especially in the place that you that you listen to it, you know, primarily in the comfort of your own home, you're going headphones or just sitting back in a chair or lying in bed. Um, this is the this is the most incredible way that, that, that we communicate by voice because emotion is in your voice and um, you know that, that's 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 coming through uh, very strongly on the audio book of Confess. Um. There was uh, one of the things, there's so many parts of the book that kind of, you know, gave me a little bit of a pause, but one of them, I don't know, it maybe has a lot to do with what's going on right now and, 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 and some of the discord that's happening, but you discuss being approached by some of the, I don't know, I'll call them handlers, I can't remember who, specifically who it was, that in, the, in the priest camp, like your management and stuff like that, about some of your, we'll just call them activities, possibly being bad for the band if, if it got out into the press. And it's it, it's almost like you're being told who you are as a human being is wrong. Um, that had to be, I, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I mean, I, it, I don't know that I would have felt the same way. I get it. I know what they're saying. They probably don't mean it that way, but that that's what that's what you're basically telling a person who's gay. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was a massive intrusion. It was just, I, I knew what the the principal ideas of that were all about. Um, but I felt that in my perspective, I wasn't doing anything that was going to um, um, create a ripple effect um, throughout the band because, I, you know, Judas Priest has been my life and always will be my life and I would never do anything to harm Priest. Don't get me started about, well, you left the band, dude. That's a whole different thing altogether. Um the, the 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 actual um suggestion that uh you know that I watch my step and don't go to this bar or that bar or wear this t shirt or that t shirt, you know, all of these things um um were were, were put to me in, in a way that just made me, you know, kind of knee jerk back. I mean again it's just you can't do it. Don't, don't tell me how to live my life, you know. Right. Um but that that's how it was back then I understand I totally get it I understand looking back what what the what the, the purpose of that slight intervention was about um, but that's where we were at in those days you know mm-hmm. what would have happened as we were breaking through and then suddenly word got out that the lead singer Judas Priest is a gay guy what damage could it have made of course as it turned out when I when I Came out for MTV in the nineties when I was away from the band. Nobody really cared. Nobody cared. Some, so many people knew. Nobody cared. They probably just wanted to sing and we loved the shows and get back to priest all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I'd surrounded myself by these these by these crazy kind of mind games in my own head that um, if the world found out that. You know, this lead singer from this great heavy metal band who called himself the Metal God is gay. Everything would collapse like a house of cards. And of course it didn't. And it, and it, and it won't for any musician that wants to step forward and proclaim the sexuality if they feel the need to. Um, so there you go. You know, uh, if, it, uh, if it helps you or any of the listeners, my parents were very much the same way about letting other people know that I was a fan of KISS. <laughs> yes, okay. Now, listen, Jason, that's perfectly legit because because um, uh, some, uh, uh, somebody snapped me, Snapchatted me a little video the other day, and I, I won't go into detail, but, but this person, this, 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 this girl who was a friend, this, this guy, guy that I know, was saying that she was uh, in a very strict religious uh, upbringing mm-hmm. in, in the household. And when her parents found out that she was listening to Judas Priest, <laughs> it was as though she was worshipping Satan. Yeah. <laughs> Created a huge ruckus in the family. And, you know, I dare say it might be the case today in a, in a, in a, in a different sense. This is, the, this is the battle that you have, particularly as a young person with your parents, when you're trying to find the music that you identify with, that, that you possess and claim as your own. I'm kind of embarrassed for the adults in my life that warned me of Satan in the music and stuff, because as I grew up, you know, I could see why I believed it as a kid, but now I'm an adult now, and it it turns out that you can't accidentally worship worship the devil. You know what I mean? So it 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 seems so ridiculous <laughs> that that these people were raising uh, us at times. You know? 
Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure you know parents love their kids in there. In yeah, a, and in a parent's point of view, they're feeling that what they need to say and do is to protect their children, and that was because. For a certain time, heavy metal was hijacked by certain certain groups of people who, who put it onto this evil pedestal, you know, and it filtered through and it, and it, and it hit people and and, and got into a, into the family life cycle and, and just created a lot of problems. Created more problems than if I'd have just shut the hell up and let the kids get on with the music that they love. Right. Well, and and for a lot of people, that's their their one thing that kind of helps a little bit of their mental sanity too. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, you know, on that note, uh, being a musician of your level, you you you've probably routinely heard throughout your career how your music has changed somebody or helped them during a difficult time. I have to believe that when when you came out officially, that that grew tenfold. Where all of a sudden you were now hitting this different group of people that also have a similar type of struggle, only a sense of of, of that it's internal or something like that. That that you've actually, in, in many ways, just been there for people that you probably never met. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that until I came out and I got all these beautiful letters and, and you know, people were telling me about these various messages and so forth. And even now I need fans, you know, growing up. Fans, what I mean by growing up is like um, some, some people from my own generation give me a hug and they go, thank you for helping me come out the closet. What? Hmm. Yeah, you did. I did. Yeah, you did. Oh, thank you, you know. Um, you, you have no idea of the reach of something like this. And um, that's just the power of of that uh, of that moment when, when you're in the public eye and your music is leading you. And, you know, it's solace to, to, to a lot of us. So, you know, music helps us through all kinds of different circumstances. Um but yeah, that that was just great. That was just that was just a beautiful thing to happen. Um, moving on a little bit to into the book, uh, you moved to Phoenix around 1980. Um, I mentioned before we got started here that that I had spent quite a few summers out there, so I actually heard a bit some mythic tales about Rob Halford's existence out there. I, I was aware that you lived out there. Somewhere along the line, someone told me you were gay because when, when you did come out in the late 90s, I was like, what are you talking about? I thought it was common knowledge is all. Uh, I had had to be there. But one of them was that you mentioned a book, a, a, a club called Rockers in your book quite a bit. I had heard back in the day, and I'm a teenager, you know, a little nub being pushed around here, that you owned the club. I, it doesn't sound like that was true. <laughs> No, it wasn't true. It was a great club on by a couple of crazy brothers that, that, that were just like real characters. It was a massive club out on the west side of, of Phoenix. And I, I used to, it was my home, you know. Mm-hmm. It was my home from home. I'd drive there in, in, in my little red Corvette and the, the picture would be waiting for me on, on the table in, in my booth. And... Um, like an idiot, I would drive home drunk most nights, and that soon got put into place when I was pulled over by the cops and spent the night in jail, which I talk about in the book <laughs> quite uh, quite strongly. Uh, for God's sake, don't drink and drive. It's just it's so stupid. Um, but yeah, Rockers was a great club, and um, the sad thing about it was I was so drunk most of the times, I can't remember the band, but they used, <laughs> used to have they had all kinds of bands there. Not mostly rock bands, but all kinds of bands. It was a great venue. But um, I don't know what the guys are doing now. I don't know whether they're still in the town or moved on. But, um, yeah, a great venue, Rockers. There's, there's very few of those places left in the valley, to, to the best of my knowledge now. And now, of course, this hideous pandemic has shut the whole live experience down for all forms of music. And so many people... Uh, 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 you know, are in difficulties, uh, and, and it's terrible. That's why we need to get this vaccine sorted as put safely as, as quickly as we can. Yeah, what size venue was it? I was too young to go. Was it about five hundred people? What I mean, how big would you even know? Uh, it might have been one of those things where it was bigger than it seemed, but it was a it was a pretty big venue. You could you could get a couple hundred people in and change, okay. and still have some room. Yeah, it was a big. Part of a converted uh, warehouse kind of big box store, as, as I can recall. Yeah. Now, was it, if I got my notes right, British Steel was the record you recorded in John Lennon's house. 
Yeah, when we made that record, Ringo had bought the home from 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 John Lennon, but originally it was John Lennon's house. Yeah, and you, and you find I love the story about the bathroom where there's two toilets right next to each other, and one says John, <laughs> one says Yoko. Now, Rob, I'm a happily married man, and I can say that time apart is just as important as time together. That toilet image of John and Yoko that that's seems love. like time apart, you know. Time. <laughs> oh my God, that's love. Unconditional love there. Holding hands. Yeah, they were the most remarkable couple ever. It's so much good for the world with their um, constant preaching for world peace. <laughs> yeah. Lennon, Lennon has always been a massive um, person for me in terms mm. of inspiration, not only his music, but what he stood for and and the way, you know, projecting what he stood for in, in that great way. Absolutely. Um, are you worried at all that Yoko's going to be coming for the obelisk that you took from the house? <laughs> I've loaned it. It's on the lower one. <laughs> I've recently been signed because of the book. Yoko, if you want your obelisk back, just let me know. Yeah. It's in safe hands, <laughs> perfectly safe. It might have ended up in a dumpster. You uh, know what it is when you sell a house, and sometimes right. people leave a lot of stuff there. Could have ended up in a dumpster, but it ended up in a safe place um, in uh, in my care. Do you, do you have a lot of Judas Priest memorabilia? Oddly enough, no, I don't really. Hmm. Oh, I, I, I mean, no, I don't. We kept a lot of the clothes. Got a lot of the, a lot of the clothes. Um, there's a very famous picture on the back of the Sovereigns of Destiny where I'm wearing this kind of black medieval kind of velvet thing that's. Trending gold. I've still got that. Mm, nice. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't fit me anymore. It fits around my thigh. <laughs> it doesn't fit me. <laughs> around your chest and waist. Because, you know, once guys hit their 30s, our bodies tend to go off on their own, yeah, on their own journey, don't they? No matter what we eat, <laughs> we try to control it. So I'm a fat globule and I'm moving in. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you recall the Italian mask that you were? I don't know. I saw an MTV interview during the Defenders tour that you kind of had one, and uh, I would love to get my hands on one of those. Oh, um, uh, we did have a we did have a mask made for the Epitaph tour. I think it was. Um, there's this creature that's on this this person image figure that's wearing this kind of a mask, mm-hmm. and I actually had that made. Um. And we've got that in storage. We've got a lot of priests stuff in storage. I haven't been there forever. I need to go and have a mooch through there sometime. But that is that, uh, there is that one mass. That's a cool idea you've given me, Jason. No, you know, right on. Every year, there's, every year there's, 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 there are these, like, Halloween masks. It'd be cool to have, like, a, a you know, the screaming to vengeance, vengeance wow. eagle mask or the defenders of the faith um Monster mask, yeah. I might steal that idea, Jason. Sorry, I'll send you a residual. <laughs> if you just send me one mask, we'll call it even. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you go into great detail about your substance abuse in the book, uh, but you if I if I got everything right, uh, and again I, I kind of had to breeze through this, uh, but but it sounds like one trip to treatment did it for you. I'm sorry, I just I missed the back end of that question. Just say it again. With all the the struggles that you, you with substance abuse that you detail in the book, it, it it sounds like your first trip to treatment worked. Was it just the one time, no relapse after that? Oh yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Um, I, I, I talked about this with Alice, my neighbour. Alice did the same thing. Once he quit, that was it. He, he never relapsed, and 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 it's just um, and some of us don't, and some of us do. It's still one day at a time. Sure. I'd love a cold beer right now. I'd love a shot of Jack Daniels right now because I know I can just you taste it. You know, that's the that's the disease of alcoholism. Um, so, yeah, I've got somebody watching over me because you know. I, I mean, I, I was in I was in rehab for thirty days. Thirty days is a lot for you. Mm-hmm. Um, cleans you up and get the get the right tools and and and, and ideas from the people that look after you. And, I, and I've said so many times, I never want to wake up and be sick and tired of being sick and tired again. Because that's how it, that's how it was affecting me. It was really affecting me not only as a as a, as a person, 
uh, uh, you know, feeling like shit, looking like shit. Um, but as a musician, it just brought tremendous clarity to my work. And, and uh, I don't know how I got that far, you know, because ever since I became sober, I just feel my work has, has, has become better, more focused, more, more defined. I know what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest revelations in the book has to be that you didn't actually intend to quit Judas Priest. It was just that the wording of a fax you sent was misinterpreted, and then both sides, you and the band, kind of knuckled down and then just kind of went with it. Uh, it. That was surprising that you couldn't just actually come together and say, whoa, 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 no, hey, well, I, I just I just want a little bit of time apart, that's all. Yeah, it was a classic communication breakdown. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned in the book that around the, around the turbo years, and I was still in that. But well, it might have been after I was clean and sober when we were on the turbo tour that I, that I said to the guys, you know, I, I've really got this urge to just do something away from priest. And the, the feeling was, well, yeah, because you know, maybe maybe one or two of us might want to do the same thing. Um, so that was always there. That was there, like from '86 um, onwards. But um, by the time we finished that painkiller tour, you know, on the back of that horrible uh, Reno trial and, and the loss of those two beautiful boys that were massive priest fans, but they, they themselves were, were, you know, wrapped up in booze and drugs and dysfunctionality of the family and so forth. Um, that, and, and then this massive painkiller tour, and it's kind of been slugging away for nonstop for over 20 years without hardly a break. What we should have done was at the end of the painkiller service, like, taking a couple of years off, maybe three years off, I'll see you later, you know? Mm-hmm. But we didn't do that. And um, things just came to a grinding, crushing like, climax to me at the end of the painkiller tour. I just felt that I, I had to get away, you know? Uh, and so I thought, well, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it with some music and explain that, that was, that's the reason why I want to do this. But then... You know, because of my business circumstances at the time and a lot of other issues, everything just fell apart. You know, bands are like families and families have fights and sometimes you don't see each other for for a period of time and that's exactly what happened for me, you know. Um, yeah, could things have been done differently? Could things have been done better? You know, hindsight is great. Yeah, I think it's very important to reflect on your past circumstances and utilise them so that incidents don't happen again and again. Um, but it, what it did, what it did let me do, um, Jason, as I've said many times, is it let me get a lot of things out of my system. Mm-hmm. I love being away and doing, you know, five and two and a half and done. But I understood that my heart and soul and spirit is, is purely best displayed uh, within my my work in Judas Priest and always will be. Right on. Well, Rob, this has been a pleasure. Like I said, I, I managed to hammer through the book last night, and you come off sincere. I think your story is not just interesting, but it's actually going to help a lot of people. And from a little quick personal story, I got my first Judas Priest cassette in Christmas 1985. There was a blizzard the next morning, and I had a paper route to do. So Defenders of the Faith will always be a snowy album to me. <laughs> Great. Oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I didn't even think about it that way. Uh, but hey, yeah. for me personally, thank you for everything. I, I'm not just talking about this interview. I appreciate your time, but uh, you've, you've been there, you know, especially as a teenager when we're all dealing with, with gunk. You you were among those artists that I leaned on in during the dark time, so I appreciate it, Rob. Lots of great words. They mean a lot to me. All the best, Jason. Stay safe. I will see you in 2021. Take care. Bye-bye. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I'm just a little crazy. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I'm just a little crazy. That was a big moment for me in, in the history of Cobras and Fire here. Just one of my idols growing up is, is Rob Halford. And, and, and what a gracious guy. What did you think of the interview, Luce? I don't know, Jason. 
What did you think of the interview? <laughs> Jason. Yeah, I had, yeah, we never had a guest that said my name, Baco or Jason, that often during it. That's that's called that's that's being British and very polite. You know yeah. what I mean? You use somebody's Jason. name, you're like, oh, he actually remembers my name. It's it's a it's a good tactic in both interviews and sales. Ooh, nice. Seriously, yeah. but it sounded. I think that's going to be a clip in the in the in the, in the future. Is just that clipped Jason clip. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nice. No, it was great, man. The, the, I think he enjoyed. You, you, you start with weather. That's what you do all well, the going did. forward. We, yeah, I only but, left that in, but like that wasn't even going to be part of the interview. But by the time he was done, I was like, <laughs> okay, that's too fun. I got Rob Halford telling me what the weather in Minnesota is going to be like in the coming week. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, he was my weatherman for, and, he, and I typically hate weathermen. So it was nice to have him give it to me. I'm just telling you that there should be an app that just says Rob Halford given uh, – he should be – he should be – he likes the Weather Channel so much. He should be on the Weather Channel as like a guest a guest guy. Can you imagine him in front of one of those uh, – what, the green screens showing all the uh, the weather patterns coming through? Yeah, he He's an old man now. So, of course, That's all he I mean. watches is the damn weather. <laughs> right. It's official. But, uh, yeah, man, who knew? I expect on the next Priest album some some uh, some songs about like uh, hurricanes and shit like that. <laughs> Tropical storm. Tropical storm. That's what I mean. Oh, anyway. Man. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he was clearly in a, in a good mood and ready to go. I think he'd been doing a handful of that during the day there. So uh, I was glad to get him when I did. Uh, it, it really worked out well. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm, I was envisioning him uh, wearing a black shirt with the sleeves cut off and those black cut off uh, shorts. What do you think? Yeah, he's like, he's like wearing uh, like Nike or maybe Adidas shower shoes out by his pool in in, in Phoenix, Arizona. That's uh, how you relax. All black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I love the story about his uh, online shopping addiction. Uh, yeah. He's like, just basically like, oh, I can't sleep. Let's go to Amazon and buy shit I don't need. He's like, <laughs> what do you, what do you, oh, besides cat t-shirts. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that that made me feel better about the 35, uh, you know, uh, albums I've purchased <laughs> since, since COVID hit that I didn't really need. Everybody, my God, everybody's doing it. So it makes me feel better. And I don't know, it hasn't come up on the show that I spent so much time in Arizona. I just, when we started talking about Arizona, it reminded me that, you know, how much I basically spent every summer from 82 to 90 down there. Ah, you've mentioned it a few times. Okay. Yeah, I, I just, we, can, we, can, we can talk about your Arizona uh, time more on the show if, if you think it's if it's good. Only if we're talking about Rob Halford. There really isn't a whole lot to talk about unless you want to you know hear stories about masturbation and uh, playing trying to play guitar. Yeah. Uh, Getting drunk, underage, smoking pot for the first time. There, there's my Arizona existence. There, so. just have a visual of you jacking off with the right and, and strumming the guitar with the left right now. <laughs> and you're you're not doing either one very well. That's better than the visual of John and Yoko sitting on toilets next to each other. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> what kind of sicko has a dual toilet? That reminds me of one time that uh, when I heard that story, I immediately so I took a picture. I think I shared with you. I went to a. Uh, uh, place in Montana that had an outhouse. Yeah, that was a double. That was an outhouse with two shitters. <laughs> I'm like, who has to dump that bad? It's like, come on in, Bob. At the same time, I got a shit too. Uh, it smells bad, but it's uh, it's warm. Um, no dividing wall, just two shitters. And so you've never you and the and then your wife have never talked about getting something like that and labeling them Elsie <laughs> and Mrs. Elsie. <laughs> It's like matching yeah, hand towels, there. you know, his and hers. Yeah. You got a his and hers toilet. There, you just sit there. And Saturday Night Live had that bit of that like back to back toilet. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it was I never like a saw that. But I, I did see the one about a roll away bidet. Uh, that was good. <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean, I mean, I can just imagine like an like an eighties montage of a couple waking up in the morning, brushing their teeth together, taking a big shit together next to each other, <laughs> <laughs> like just, uh, just high fiving afterwards. It's just disgusting. Yeah, well, well to- Toots and I do not have. We're not on the same schedule with uh, when it comes to BMs. Uh, 
Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Fun so, fact. I'll let her know that. It, w- it wouldn't time. work for us. No, she's aware. Uh, she. Okay. Good. I, I text her every time I'm I'm um, deucing and I'm not home. So. <laughs> she... Who knew we were going to end the Halford interview with this? Oh man. There, now there there was things I wasn't able to get into, so I thought I'd run some of that past you. And yeah, actually, some of the stuff maybe I just we did talk about, and maybe I want to get some more of your thoughts on. But uh, oh, all right. Yeah. Well, one Bring of the it. things that uh, we didn't talk about in the book, he talks about almost accidentally coming out to his dad around the age of 13, I believe it was. And <laughs> while his dad clearly not pleased, it sounds like for the most part, like he wasn't like, um, like he he had what would be called support back then as far as a gay man coming out. He wasn't kicked out of the house. He maintained a relationship with his parents and, you know, uh, I think uh, until both of them passed. So, okay. uh, and you know, he bought him a, bought him a house and, and, and cars and things of that nature. So, uh, I, that's kind of encouraging, you know what I mean? Because I can see like, I can see like my dad like struggling with the idea that his son was gay, but also not wanting to be a dick dad. And that's kind of what I thought about. I getcha. I mean, you have a son. I mean, and uh, and you're gay. What it would <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, Miss uh, Mrs. Cannon is the beard. Oh, nice. Is we like to say, yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Beard. <laughs> she, she covers it up. Uh, but uh, for me, I think it's maybe based if my son says, you know, I'm gay. I may be like, great. Uh, pass the pepper, please. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah I, we're we're in a, a different generation. I'm not sure how it would have been. I'm not sure I would have really cared too much either way. But uh, I, just, I always, because I'm, I'm all the, the mind of like, be happy, do what you want, be yourself. That it. I understand that struggle because, uh, you know, being a Kiss fan, it wasn't always easy. You know, uh, it's basically the same as being <laughs> That's gay. <your> struggle. That's <laughs> your... <laughs> Dude, I like the big pause before he laughed. I was like, oh, fuck, that joke didn't land. I don't know if you remember that part where I was like. Oh, I, I heard that. I heard it. No, that was he laughed. He's like, oh, that's what you're equating it to. <laughs> that, but I liked it. That, that, now, now, it would be. Uh, you know, different if somebody says, you know, just want to let you know, I'm I'm a Kiss fan, I'm satanic, and I'm gay. Where, where's the where's finally the breaking point? Oh man, that would have uh, that would have split. It goes like, listen, so, I'm oh, wait, good. They, they I'm, got divorced. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm good with the homosexuality and Satan, but Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm happy to say that I, I, I largely had the support of my parents when it came to my uh, music choices. So <laughs> good for you. Uh, I'm sure you and, you and Rob share the same struggles. So yeah, it was that was my point. It was like I kind of yeah. know what it's like to to go through what you did because I I liked Kiss and you know nobody wants their kid did like Kiss. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's, let's, let's go on. You got some questions? That you yeah. Okay. Well, Kim. another topic that that we didn't get into. Let me. Uh, I, I was a little surprised on when reading the book was that like he really was not there. Like during Turbo, he was really dealing with a lot of shit, uh, both personally and and uh, chemically. And and because of that, he he feels looking back that he mailed it in for the most part. Other than the song Turbo, now there's a song on there called "Out in the Cold" that to me is is super emotional. I was really hoping to ask him if that was about something or someone in particular that that he brought up in the book, but because it's not tied together in the book. I'm not that familiar with Turbo, so oh, you should check it out. It's great. Um, I have checked it out. And that's why I'm not that familiar with it. <laughs> I really wanted to talk to him about Fight and Two, and I wasn't able to get those in. Um, yeah. I, you're not a fan of either one, right? No, I like, um, I think it was the second, maybe the second Small Fight Small Deadly album. Space? Yeah. Okay. There's some pretty good pretty I think good it's better, there. too. It actually didn't do as good as the first one, War of Words. but And that was kind of where I wanted to go um, with, with that. He... he Again, he kind of skims over a lot of the music in it, almost the same way Gene Simmons did it in his book. You know, he did bring up one thing, but he didn't get into a lot of detail. When I read KK's book, one of the weird the one of the revelations I got was that like I was surprised to hear like almost early on, like in like in the just in the like 77, 78 that KK was actually starting to feel ostracized in his own band from Glenn and and uh, Rob. Rob touches on it a little bit without any detail, saying the recording um, Sin After Sin was the first time he noticed some, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like, 
things starting to be a problem between the two guitar players. Yeah, I remember hearing something about that too, and I was like, "How the hell could it be that early on?" <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? That they have they have issues, but they, then it didn't, uh, you know, I guess rear its head until what? Well, he quit ten years what? ago. 50, yeah, yeah. Ten years ago, whatever it is. Yeah. So I guess they just kind of like, you know, I don't like you, I don't like you. Let's just deal with it for three more decades and not work it out. It would be interesting to hear like him say why KK wasn't brought back. Like, cause he, yeah. you know, once Glenn made his his announcement, KK made it clear he would. Um, but uh, it seems like, the, cause, cause the, the the reasons they've given are all bullshit, you know. Sure. You know, like, well, they're literally as as good as saying we can't have two blonde guitar players. Right. Yeah. So. No, I know what you're saying. It's like, uh, I mean, I've. I've been displeased with you since since uh, 2015, and somehow we've just you know just we just kind of put it on the side and just <laughs> you know just push through all this time uh, for the fans. Well, well, how about this? I'll, I got some English terms that because he basically writes it you know in English Cockney. Maybe you want to tell me if you know what some of these terms mean. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, all right. I won't go. I won't cheat. I don't care if you do. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to start out with this. Do which do you prefer as a term for what we call them French fries here, uh, and then they call them chips in England. Which do you think is a, a better uh, description, French fries or chips? Well, uh, definitely French fries. Yeah. Because chips, I expect them to be chips, slices of potatoes, like of that some... bag you're trying to secretly open and. Uh... Yes, right here. <laughs> this, this is a uh, cable cable management clips. I oh, have no yeah. idea why I have them there. Uh, so it sounded like a bag of fucking Doritos, man. Well, see, the problem is, is that I, I've noticed on some of these recordings that I am fidgeting with something on the side. So thank you for catching me. Well, that's just you know your nature. Um, it is. It is. Okay, this uh, one I don't of, know, and I yeah. and unfortunately I didn't write down the actual. That this is gonna be a bit of an issue here because uh, I didn't put I don't I didn't write down the the sentence. But do you know what blag means? Blag b l a g. Yes. Oh, I can't even think of something amusing. No, I do not. Now, this is really uh, gonna kill us. Uh, what about the boot of a car? Oh, that's that's when you uh, don't pay a parking ticket. You get a boot on your a boot on your car. Close. Uh, it's the trunk, I assume. Anyway, that's where he hid his first gay book, and that's how his dad found out he was gay. Unpacking unpacking the boot. Unpacking the boot is what? the name of a, a gay book. No, no, no. That's <laughs> the name of the what? trunk where he hid the book about being gay. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right. Well, real quick, I looked it up. Going back to blag, blag in British slang means obtaining something by trick or deception. Hmm. Okay, it sounds trick like or it. deception. So I blagged I, him. Yeah, I'll blag. I you know blag a case of beer or something like that. I don't know. Sure, sure. You know, okay. Um, anyway, uh, what about uh, skint? Have you heard skint? Skint. Can you use that in a sentence, please? Yes. Uh, when I was reading the Rob Halford book, the word skint came up, and I hadn't heard it before. <laughs> That's terrible. That did not help me at all. Um, uh, isn't that, isn't uh, skint a type of flute? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about um, hmm. What about the, the, the section of skin between the balls and the, the ass? Oh, I like yeah, that. Like, you know what? That would be a better description for the taint than taint. Right, the skint. skint. Yeah. yeah, going forward, skint in, in Cobra and fire slang means the taint. Yeah, so uh, like uh, a skint wipe will be in, in uh, Rock and Pod 2021. <laughs> well, anyway, skint means broke. Ah, damn it. Anyway, I have one last one that I think might be a little easier for you. Losing his rag. <laughs> um... Hmm. Uh, that is what uh, Brett Michaels says after he loses his bandana at the end of a concert. I don't know. Hmm. That's actually Lose- pretty good. I like that. Uh, no, it's, it's just losing your temper. Oh, losing your rag. Okay. Yeah, losing your Fair shit. Uh, oh, you know, that makes sense, I guess. You know, he sure. also brings up pissed a lot, you know, but in, in his term, every time he mentions pissed, he's basically wasted or... Or something right. of that nature. Um, and yeah, I was, I was completely pissed last night, or whatever, like that. Yeah, yep. right. And, and here in America, of course, that means angry. But uh, 
And Do you know what geezer means in uh, English slang or whatever? You mean it doesn't mean old dude like it does here? No, no. It's almost like, well, it, it's funny you said dude. It's almost like, it's like saying dude, like uh, like some geezer was here or oh. he, he, that that's my geezer or something like that. Or, I'm, or, I'm immediately thinking of Geezer Butler now. I always thought that was kind of a, like... <laughs> right. I think that just means dude butler. Right on. <laughs> Maybe. You hear, hear to hear first. I may have that wrong, but uh, I have a, a British uh, uh, not friend that uses it a lot. Well, I'm guessing most people probably haven't hung in long enough to hear our British slang, but uh, uh, man, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm so proud that we got Rob Halford on the show Uh uh, probably the the biggest interview we've gotten as far as that, and I'm glad it went well. You know what I mean? That was probably the biggest thing is that it seemed like right he was in a good mood and all those things. Now it wasn't hot tub good. You know he's not going to be with Michael Sweet and me and, and Ron Keel floating Coors Lights back and forth to each other. But it went. I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't put a pasta man. This the, I thought it went really smooth. Is my point. He shows up. He like gets into the hot tub wearing his boots and like uh, <laughs> like he, like he dressed in fight with the black shorts and the black tank top. He just crawls in like you know, hello Jason. Yeah, <laughs> just sits in there. Uh, I mean, uh, that coat has to be uh, at least three hundred pounds submerged. I would you know. love what's, to what's, have a what's... cold beer right now, but I can't because I'm an alcoholic. But you oh, enjoy right. one. Hey, you gotta give give props for that. Anybody that's that's a rock star or on the, I'll just say this: that's on the road and was an alcoholic. Yeah, and you're all, you're just you have those nights. You're everywhere. Fucking, that's a that's an incredible feat. I gotta tell you, one trip through treatment. If that's a true story, that is fucking amazing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, that's all. Those thirty days, they beat the living shit out of him. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> he he is very open and honest about. Uh, all that stuff, and uh, in a very, you know, it, it's very candid. So, I do think his book is going to be helpful to a lot of people for different reasons, and, and not. I wouldn't say that about a lot of books. More, more typically, when I read a book like this, I want information and details, more of the geeky stuff. He doesn't right. deliver a ton of that in this, but. I don't know. As a person, I, I connected with some of the struggle that he dealt with, you know, uh, both as, as being a gay man and then and also how that spiraled into a, a, uh, like a, a substance abuse problem. No, I got gotcha. you. No, it's, it's, uh, I, I definitely want to check that out. I am jealous that you got an advanced copy. And mm. uh, well done, man. Yeah, like they say, sometimes, the, the, you know, that there's, um, I guess a cliche that you never should never meet your heroes. And I think we've met many of our heroes and uh, all of them have been pretty cool except for uh, Doyle. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That, maybe that's why Gene and Paul never want to come on. They're like, we're really going to disappoint those guys. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> They're actually doing it as a favor. Yeah. It's like, we're just doing you guys a solid here. We're really going to suck. And uh, you're probably going to hate us more than you do. Fun. Listen. And, um, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed it. You want to get out of here or what? Metal is not dead. It's a metal god, and it carries a thesaurus. I'm going to try to uh, connect the calls now, okay? Thank you. All right, hang on with that. Hi, Jason. You're on with Rob. Oh, awesome. Rob, hello. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 